1: ...while positioning your program to achieve the greatest risk reduction per dollar spent. Stop fearing risk and start managing it with Critical Start. Visit criticalstart.com and request a demo today. That's criticalstart.com. A tool going by the name DN Espionage hits Middle Eastern targets... Iran's Cobalt Dickens returns to Pester Universities. Lawful Intercept vendors receive more scrutiny, and that scrutiny suggests iOS might not have escaped their attention as much as many had assumed. Facebook gets grilled in London. Nine Western countries issue a joint communique resolving to control false and misleading content on the Internet, and a lesson from small towns. From the CyberWire studios at Datatribe, I'm Dave Bittner with your CyberWire summary for Wednesday, November 28, 2018. Cisco's Talos Group is tracking a threat actor running what Talos calls DN espionage malware against Middle Eastern targets. Lebanon and the United Arab Emirates have attracted the most attention. At least two espionage campaigns are in progress. One fishes victims with bogus job listings that induce the users to open malicious Microsoft Office documents. The other redirects the DNS of legitimate domains. Talos, which regards the unknown threat actor as painstaking and focused, has been unable to draw connections with other known threats. The malware the malicious documents are dropping in these campaigns is, as Talos puts it, an undocumented remote administration tool – it supports DNS tunneling as a command and control channel. The malicious DNS redirection the attackers used affected sites belonging to Lebanon's finance ministry, Middle East Airlines, a Lebanese carrier, and the United Arab Emirates Police and Telecommunications Regulatory Authority. What the actors behind DNS espionage were after is unclear, but whoever they were, they were persistent and capable and clearly devoted some attention to preliminary reconnaissance. The lesson the researchers at Talos drew for the rest of us is the obvious one that endpoint and network protection should be as strong as possible. As Talos warns, This is an advanced actor who obviously has their sights set on some important targets, and they don't appear to be letting up anytime soon. Another threat actor, this one known and indeed familiar, is back. The Iranian threat group Cobalt Dickens is actively prospecting targets in universities. SecureWorks' counter-threat unit says they are after credentials and that they're using familiar social engineering tactics. The universities Cobalt Dickens is after are found in Malaysia, Australia, Canada, China, Israel, Japan, Switzerland, Turkey, the United Kingdom, and especially the United States. The threat group, which is linked to the Iranian government and its Revolutionary Guard, Figured prominently in the news this past March, when the U.S. Justice Department indicted nine individuals and a contractor, the Mabna Institute, for an earlier Cobalt Group campaign against universities. There's no shortage of online private messaging systems that offer claims of end-to-end fully encrypted communications, promising their users invulnerability to prying eyes. Law enforcement likes to remind us that these particular capabilities are often attractive to folks who are up to no good. Dutch police recently revealed a campaign to thwart criminals hiding behind encrypted communications. Our UK. correspondent Carol Terrio has the story.
0: Rarely do you get a behind-the-scenes explanation as to how cyber cops track the bad guys. It makes sense if the strategy is working, why blow its cover by blabbing about it? So it was rather exciting when Dutch police announced that they had been eavesdropping on a secret messaging service used by cybercriminals. This was a pretty big operation, as you shall see. But what was the most interesting thing was why in the world did the Dutch police come clean about their secret source? I managed to get a few extra juicy details from my Smashing Security podcast co-host Graham Cluley, who had written an article on this very topic for Bitdefender. Graham, thanks for joining us on Cyberwire. My pleasure. Nice to be here. Now, can you give us some inside information? What's going on here? Why have the Dutch police announced this if they had tabs on all these uh, suspected criminals? Well,
2: it's fascinating, isn't it? Uh, so, what they managed to do is they managed to hack into what should have been a securely encrypted method for the criminals to communicate with each other, something that criminals had been using. For months and months and months, and you, you have to ask, well, why would they now have blown their own whistle, as it were, and revealed that those messages are compromised? And the reason is that the police got wind of the fact that some of the criminals were actually planning to kill one of their fellow criminals, believing...
0: Whoa, 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 whoa. What, this, we have murder here? Well,
2: exactly. They, they believed that it was one of their fellow criminals who was snitching to the police and revealing the secrets. So the police had to say, actually, we've been looking at all of your communications for some time. It's not one of you who's actually blown the whistle on yourselves.
0: There's a lot of encrypted messaging services out there, such as Telegram or Signal. Uh, Which one were these guys using? They were using one called Iron Chat. So Iron Chat
2: uh, comes as part of a package that you can purchase from a company whose website has now been shut down. Uh, They've also been arrested, called Black Box Security. And what Black Box Security will do is they will sell you a subscription to their service if you pay them $1,500 that will give you a 6 month subscription you get an android phone which has particular apps installed upon it including this iron chat secure communication uh, application uh, it's a remarkably ugly App as well. It's got probably the worst and least attractive user interface you could ever have imagined.
0: But basically, it's a secure phone with a secure messaging service. Yes, that's right.
2: But it was using Black Box Security's own server as part of the communication. And one way or another, and we don't know the precise details, the police managed to compromise that system or take it over, and they were able to see the messages which were being sent. Over a quarter of a million messages between criminals were being monitored practically live by the police.
0: Well, that must give them a lot of insight into um, how to address these guys. Well, yes. uh,
2: As a result of their surveillance, uh, law enforcement agencies in the Netherlands have seized automatic weapons. They've seized large quantities of hard drugs, uh, cocaine and MDMA, 90,000 euros in cash, and they've dismantled a drugs lab as well.
0: And they had to blow up this whole surveillance scam... Uh, because someone was at risk.
2: Well, they've blown their own cover. The website's down, the application won't work anymore, so any criminals who are using it are going to have to switch to something else. Obviously, the police ideally wouldn't have wanted that. They would have wanted to watch for as long as possible, but I think they realised it's actually getting dangerous now because criminals were being arrested. People were wondering in the criminal underground, how are the police gathering this information? As I say, there was a plot to kill one of the criminals um, because they believed that he may have been seen to the police. And so the police said, actually, no, we know all of this stuff. We've been watching you for a while.
0: Graham, that's excellent. This was Carol Terrio for the Cyberwire.
1: It's like a mini episode of Smashing Security. It's kind of nice. Citizen Lab have recently drawn attention to apparent abuse of NSO Group's Pegasus tool by various governments. Kaspersky has now noticed that another company, government vendor Neg, seems to offer an iOS implant. NEG, which is based in Rome, had been known for its Android Intercept tools. It appears also to have done much the same with iOS. This suggests to Kaspersky that iOS spyware may not be as rare as hitherto generally believed. Facebook's transatlantic grilling proceeds... Company emails Westminster seized from a third party indicate that the social network knew about and investigated Russia data harvesting in 2014, two years before publicly acknowledging Moscow's interest in election meddling. The big sit-down in London has provided the occasion for the immodestly titled International Grand Committee, inquiring into disinformation to release its Declaration on the Principles of Law Governing the Internet. The committee's nine nations want tech companies fully answerable to organs of representative democracy the way they see it. The deliberate spreading of disinformation and division is a credible threat to the continuation and growth of democracy and a civilizing global dialogue. Tech firms need to recognize, as Spider-Man's Uncle Ben taught us, that with great power comes great responsibility— We note that Uncle Ben was obviously a student of the great 19th century theorist of international law, Francis Lieber. Social media companies in particular, quote, should be held liable if they fail to comply with a judicial, statutory, or regulatory order to remove harmful and misleading content from their platforms, and should be regulated to ensure they comply with this requirement, end quote. The signatories include Argentina, Belgium, Brazil, Canada, France, Ireland, Latvia, Singapore, and the United Kingdom. It's not just international grand committees, industrial titans, world powers, wealthy elites, and the like who worry about the Internet. No one's too small to escape the ministrations of bad actors. In compact, crowded New Jersey, police and other officials in the small town of Rockaway Township are working to recover from a ransomware attack. It began on November 22nd with a partial recovery of some systems this Monday. The police are still offline and township officials say they're in the dark about the extent of what happened. The late mayor's phone and laptop have gone missing since Mayor Michael Dockeson died on August 15th. The township council thinks it possible that someone stole the devices and used them to work their mischief on municipal systems. Meanwhile, up in sprawling, thinly populated Alaska, the Matanuska-Susitna Borough Assembly voted to appropriate a million dollars to pay for recovery from a ransomware attack the local government sustained in mid-July. They declined to pay the ransom and bit the financial bullet to upgrade their security and resilience. The newly appropriated $1 million comes on top of $2.1 million the borough has already spent on recovery and remediation. The neighboring city of Valdez, nearby by Alaskan standards, was also hit, but Valdez took a gamble and paid the ransom, so they got off with just $27,000. As painful as it is, conventional wisdom says that Matsu, as the borough is locally known, probably made the wiser call. To learn why enterprises choose Sixth Sense, visit SixthSense.com. And joining me once again is Ben Yellen. He's a senior law and policy analyst at the University of Maryland Center for Health and Homeland Security. Ben, it's great to have you back. Um, We had an article come by from Forbes. This was uh, penned by Thomas Brewster. And uh, it's all about uh, Google's Nest unit and how they've handed over data to the government a few hundred times.
3: Yeah, I mean, I think that number is rather eye-popping. Most of the data was handed over either voluntarily or via subpoena. So in the vast majority of cases, the government didn't really establish probable cause to search these devices. And, you know, if the government has reasonable suspicion, they can get a subpoena to collect that information, what's what's fascinating to me about Nest uh, devices and really all um, smart home devices is it sort of presents a clash in Fourth Amendment principles. So we always think about the Fourth Amendment first and foremost protecting the home; it's somebody's uh, fortress of, of personal privacy. Right. Uh, we don't want the police coming into our house without a warrant. I think you know everyone would agree with that. Mm-hmm. But then we have this competing doctrine, really this. Exception to the Fourth Amendment called the third party doctrine, where when we voluntarily submit information to a business like Google, we lose our reasonable expectation of privacy in that information. And we're voluntarily giving private information to our smart homes all the time. Eventually, all federal courts and the Supreme Court is going to have to struggle with which Fourth Amendment doctrine is stronger here. Is it the doctrine about being protected in the fortress of your home? Because This is a smart home device. It's only recording things that happen in this very, very private place. Or do they take a a third-party approach, which is about even if this device is in your home, you are constantly feeding it information voluntarily, and that information is fair game for the government to collect. You know, I think we can possibly find some guidance in the Carpenter decision, which you and I have talked about a lot. Even though that was about cell site location information, the reason Chief Justice uh, Roberts said that the government would need a warrant to collect that information is because collection of cell site location information was so ubiquitous and was so deep and so broad, it sort of fell out of that third-party doctrine exception. And I think you could make an argument that that smart home devices are even deeper and and broader, especially when we know that it's recording at least snippets of you know our intimate conversations that we're having around the household. There are a couple other
1: interesting tidbits from this article. One of them was that uh, Google said that they turned over less than 20% of the requests from the government. So it's not as though uh, they just hand it over when the government asks.
3: Yeah. I mean, you know, Google and basically all Internet service providers, technology companies want to prove to their customers that they're doing their best to protect their personal information. And Google seems to be doing that here. They said they're analyzing every single request, even if it's done pursuant to a warrant, to make sure that the request is not overbroad, that it's appropriate, that Google is not releasing more personal information uh, than it has to. And I think that's important. The customer itself is not going to be privy to this interaction between Google and the government. So we're entrusting Google or whoever owns our smart device with our personal information, and we're largely relying on them to to fight on on our behalf.
1: Yeah, they also uh, said that they had never received a national security letter, which is interesting because – As we've talked about, when you get a national security letter, you're not allowed to say that you get a national security letter. So it's it's
3: it's kind of a canary. Yeah. Yeah, it's the fight club of uh, electronic searches. Right, right. Are not allowed to talk about national security letters. It's funny, and this article mentioned that they've never received one of those. They've stated that affirmatively, but. They wouldn't be able to state if they did receive one because of that gag order, which has been upheld as as constitutional. So if we see this report next year, this annual report, and it doesn't mention national security letters, I think we can deduce that (laughs) uh, Google has gotten a request for a national security letter. What that means to me is the government might have evidence on everyday ordinary crimes gleaned from smart home devices, but at least as it applies to Google, they haven't yet had a case where... They're looking specifically for national security information from uh, one of these devices. So, you know, that's going to happen eventually. There's going to be a reasonable suspicion that somebody's involved in international terrorism. And, you know, they ask their smart home device where the nearest Home Depot is and whether they have explosives. Uh, Let's say nearest home goods (laughs) goods store. Yeah,
1: go to the explosives aisle at Home Depot, right? (laughs) Yeah,
3: exactly. Uh, You know, so... I, I think it's it's inevitable. It is interesting that it's not happened to this point, but I think the technology is still relatively new. So, you know, I think that's something we'll see in the next couple of years.
1: All right. Well, Ben Yellen, thanks for joining us. Thank you. Our lengthy security reviews pulling attention away from your security program with the largest network of trust centers Thanks for listening. We'll see you back here tomorrow.
2: Hey all, Rick here. At N2K CyberWire, we're dedicated to continuously improving the quality of the news and commentary on our network.